Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Zack Snyder's Justice League by the Minute, a podcast created to explore, enjoy, and endlessly dissect the coming film slash series slash multimedia creation that is Zack Snyder's Justice League, set to arrive in 2021 on HBO Max. We recorded a I guess a minute zero kind of announcing the podcast. And I guess we're still not, we're not at minute one, but we now know, uh, thanks to two men enter the DC fandom, a one podcast with some details and a trailer to talk about leaves. I guess. So we've got the trailer to break down. Obviously, I think there's a couple, um, logistical things that were clarified at DC fandom that are going to have implications for sort of how the podcast works. Uh, or what to expect for, you know, a few episodes down the road once we're actually talking about the movie itself. We said in minute zero that anyone listening to this episode <laughs> after we recorded it would have more information than we did, and it only took a couple months. Yeah, and now and now that's us. Yep. <laughs> now we have more information than Yay. we did. Yay! Yeah, good for us. We know that it will be, correct me if I'm wrong here, four one-hour sections. Yeah, I think he's referring to them as chapters. Okay. It is not explicitly explained right now how they will be unleashed upon the world. As in, like, if it will be weekly or, or exactly. whatever. Well, first of all, he, so they're, he's dropping it in four parts, and then he's doing a bringing it all together somehow, he said. I don't know if that means an alternate edit that will be slightly different, but it'll be a single experience, or if that literally just means stitching all four together, regardless of when and how. Um, we're getting four installments. I think what we said is that assuming there is a break between that, we will cover a single review for each episode when it comes. And then we'll go back and do our business like we did with BVS by the minute and do one minute at a time of the, of the entirety. But in the lead up, we're, we're just covering any major news. And obviously, so unless you've got anything else, we can get into the trailer. No, I've, I really only got one word for you. (laughs) I, I think I know what it is. Hallelujah. 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 Don't bury the lead here. We open on full close-up of Darkseid. Yeah, or Uxess. <laughs> oh, yes, Uxess at this at this point. He's pre his ascension uh which we don't need to get too deep into yeah well right off the bat that i think that brings up something that is like dark side success and the history lesson and all this is super interesting the square image is is one of the more fascinating parts about this also i think uh, that it's the 1.33 aspect yep. ratio where one of the hilarious things about what happened to this movie that people didn't even realize until Zach was like, yeah, I wanted to shoot the whole thing in like one dot. He said a few different aspect ratios over the over the past few months, 1.66, 1.43. But I think everything that he's released has been in 1.33. And he said that that's what he wants to release it as, which is like super IMAX. Right. And and I guess for, for like casual people, closer to how the four by three televisions that used to be broadcast before it was a widescreen. And he said like for comic books, like and like for superheroes. Like it makes sense to do this, like this square framing, and, and you know, you'll notice the way everything is framed. It's so much bigger. It fills the frame in a way that, with widescreen, you can't really do as much. And like widescreen is beneficial for like horizontal panning and stuff. You, you're going to want to be able to get all of that, like kind of in the frame, because it's just like the way our eyes, you know, work. 
but with the way Snyder works with close-ups and slow-mo and et cetera, I think that the the 1.33 is really cool, as we'll see in this trailer. It's, I mean, it's, I don't think anything like this has been done for a, like, a, especially a superhero movie before. Only like the lighthouse, <laughs> I think, was was one dot three three. So that's fascinating in and of itself. But it's another one of those funny things where kind of you reverse engineer, like, wait, what did they do with the so so Zack Snyder framed all of these shots with the intent of it being like one dot three three or maybe one dot six six. But like he framed these with like full frame in mind, and then. They they cropped everything down like the to top one. and bottom quarter practically right yeah I guess I I guess you could do it, it but that means like watching the theatrical cut anything even if it's Snyder and um, Fabian Wagner's footage you're basically talking about it's like it's like if you actually hit the zoom button on your TV and and it, it explains so much about why so many of those shots are so ugly it's just because they weren't they weren't framed to be rectangles they were framed to be to be more square and so yeah. anyway all the comic book geeks are like well, stop talking about numbers yeah <laughs> but yeah it is like Just talk about you got dark side on my screen here and i'm like yeah, well, it's a square image <laughs> uh my only thought on that is that the the verticality that it allows you makes sense if you are filming characters that are supposed to be like godly or um yeah you know that that perspective is important to the the shot you're trying to show well, that's why I brought it up with his very first shot here, because like, look at how much of his body we've got in this shot. Like, this is a like, imagine the widescreen version of this shot. It's still cool, but it is have to be further away. You you would need to. What is the simplest way of saying that? Yeah, if you if you want to show this much of him, right? Yeah, well, because if you think about the way that movies work with editing, is that you so much is assembled from from individual cuts, and so you, so you're going to have if you're going to do it widescreen and you're and you're going to make multiple cuts in order to show a scene. That's great. But like Snyder, especially with his action, he shows a lot more and he doesn't have a bunch of quick cuts to, um, to cut around stuff. Yeah. And so if that's the way he's shooting it in the first place, like why not show the whole thing? Like you don't need to show like, a, you know, the close ups and, and, and panning around. I'm sure he'll, you know, it's not like he's, he's not gonna have any cuts in the movie, but if you can show the character in motion in full frame, he loves these like statuesque. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of phrasing it. And if you're going to have like a statuesque mo, like these comic book panels that he brings to life that he's like famous for, if you're going to do that, why not show the whole thing instead of cropping it down? So I think this, this opening shot is just, is a great way to um, show the benefit. Yeah. That we get a relatively close up shot of dark side or, or excuse me, Uxus, I'll say, because I don't yeah. like saying Uxus. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, swinging his club. Before we get to like what scene this would be in, the thing I want to point out, which is the coolest thing, is that this design of the character has made the Omega symbol physically a part of his body. Like his, his clavicle yeah. makes the symbol that we on Earth interpret as Omega, the end, based on the Greek alphabet. But for Euxus of the new gods, this is just the symbol in his chest that everybody would mm -hmm. see because his physiology is not human. Um, and he is, it's like runic. Like it has a, it has a weird element of just, I couldn't look away from it when I saw it because it, I'm, I'm, I love that decision. That made me 10 times more excited for the kind of symbolism and, and character design that we're going to get into here that that is like, would have never thought of it, never crossed my yeah. mind. Fantastic. The the thing with this character that's so weird is because everyone knows Darkseid. People don't really know Euxus. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as like the 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 pre dark side, and so and so, it's really interesting that like the idea of him. So this is the history lesson scene, and so they swapped him out for in the theatrical cut. This was Steppenwolf, who it was originally dark. All of this is the original plan. So anything that was in the theatrical had been changed from that. So yeah, so what he's doing here, which which is funny that they replaced him with Steppenwolf because what's ha- actually happening in this shot is in the theatrical cut, you see Steppenwolf hits the ground with this axe. And the and there's these like runes form on the ground, and it looks mm-hmm. if you're not looking close, I guess maybe it just looks like fire pits or something opening up, but it's pretty clearly a pattern of some yeah. kind, and it's the anti life equation. Obviously, so, so you you revert it to dark side, and you and you so they're going to acknowledge as the anti life equation. Yeah, on its face, that that fundamentally changes so much about what's going on in this entire movie. The second you bring the anti life equation into play, especially when you're talking about Zack Snyder and his work with like the individuality of, of yeah. these heroes and the ideals of 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 who they are and the and the idea that we like we know superman eventually succumbs to the anti-life equation like this is all like i think he's pretty intimidating here um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm done with that and then kind of in a callback to early marketing for justice league that called back to the end of batman v superman with the promise that you know earth has found itself vulnerable with no gods, you know, uh, right. no lanterns, et cetera, et cetera. The heroes broken, uh, specifically meaning Superman's death at the end of Batman v Superman. Well, hey, the next shot is the shot that was going to open up the movie just as uh, BVS had kind of dovetailed in with Man of Steel. This was going to, in a more explicit way, begin with the death of Superman from a different perspective. Even like Snyder has really only done the two films in this universe so far yeah. since, you know, Justice League, the original theatrical cut of Justice League. I hate calling it the original because this is the original, but the, the theatrical cut of Justice League doesn't count. And so Man of Steel obviously has nothing leading up to it. And so you can't say it's a pattern because BVS has been the only one to have that flashback. But it's really cool to know that there's this overlap that not only retells, but also recontextualizes a little bit what's actually happening in this moment. Yes. So like that ending scene of of Man of Steel is so 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 big and massive and such a big deal and it's told there Superman's story there but then BVS opens and and they say okay so we know what happens here here's what else happened mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne saw Superman felt powerless descended into rage became cruel <laughs> decided he had to kill Superman here's the story of that and so now you go back and you tell the story of his death again and you and you recontextualize all of that. This happened right after Batman tried to kill Superman. And so one of the things that uh, was cool that Snyder revealed after the trailer came out is that there'll there'll be shots of like um apparently the shot where he where Batman sees Superman like for the first time in BVS is is like replicated in this opening scene. But he's watching Superman fly at Darkseid or Darkseid at uh, Doomsday with the spear that Batman tried to kill him with. And so it's like the same the same shot or replicated in the same way, but it's Superman instead of him Batman seeing him falling from the sky, destroying his world, he's sacrificing himself to save his world. Yeah, which is which brings that whole Batman arc full circle, especially seeing Superman with the spear that Batman made to kill him with. Yeah, which which would then all it would all culminate in the shot that we see in this trailer of yeah. Superman being clutched as as this massive wave of energy, right, 
is sent out to basically trigger events the around the world that are that are going to begin the plot of Justice League. We saw that shot in previous, so it's very cool to see it finished. Yeah. And it leads it leads into the the nightmare shot, which is a, a storyboard that I'm actually I had the pleasure of being one of the the people to originally publish this in February of 2018. We had no idea even necessarily fully how it fit into the movie, but this is straight up. I can see the arrows in the storyboard pushing to the next frame, representing the, the camera zooming over. So it's so amazing after after these years to to actually see it created now, even though the, the CGI is not is clearly not quite fully finished it's still so epic also to bring back the nightmare and so it, it's it's a similar shot to what we see from from batman v superman but it's it's from way further back in wayne manor which you can see behind bruce's shoulder in um in bvs and it's wayne manor had been converted in, into the hall of justice and then something happened and it was destroyed i feel like that is the thing that that we shouldn't gloss over, and I think a lot of people won't connect the dots on. We we've spoken at length in in Batman v Superman by the minute. The overlapping of timelines is somewhat unclear. Where for Bruce to see the nightmare as a potential future, it would have had to have happened already for Flash to come back. Yada yada yada. But this shot not only confirms that we're going to get more of the nightmare, but confirms that in that timeline, the Justice League was formed also. The Justice right. League came together and then was still defeated. The the Trident and the Shield and all of that left in rubble, and it led to the Nightmare anyway because we push off from that into basically the same landscape that we saw in the original Nightmare in BVS. Right, exactly. Well, and and the part that's not totally clear because like we know that there was some like they knew who he 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 was with the the League in some ways or at least with with Flash and Cyborg. Because Flash appears to him and says, says, find us. And that is what split the timeline in the first place. So that first version of the nightmare that we saw in BVS was w the version that happened without Bruce getting any warning from the Flash. But now that he's been warned, he ends BVS saying, I need to find the others like you. And that's like what the plot of Justice League is about. And so then here we find out however much this changed this is the the nightmare 2.0 where oh no this is the version where the team comes together sooner or whatever other changes are in play and obviously crisis still not averted yeah you see here there's um there's a bunch of easter eggs in the there's a portrait of thomas wayne obviously he's not part of the justice league but you you see aquaman's trident and i believe that's wonder woman's shield you see here and so then the other two characters we have accounted for are like uh, i guess cyborg and and flash are working on time travel stuff some in the Batcave, really. That I guess that's all the members of the league accounted for, at least from this initial movie. So we know that they're, you know, dead or whatever. Um Yeah. Also there's a, a Joker card flashes in front of the screen here, which we know was taped to the butt of Bruce's gun. Also you can see his lake house once we go over the top. His lake house <laughs> is over on the on the far right there. The parademons are all flying over it. The nightmare is coming. It's so exciting to know that this part of the timeline isn't over because this is such a big big huge thing that they really diverted from after after bvs and i'm glad we're getting more of that i'll i'll move into talking about the next thing from this trailer because if <laughs> it's going to be like unexpected but man oh man is it my favorite diana coming across the arrow i think we got news footage of it in the theatrical cut that the arrow landed in the temple of artemis yes triggering some kind of signal fire which i think is is communicated in the theatrical cut that the world at large, the modern world, does not know what this means, but one woman does. 
Yeah. Uh, because one woman remembers what the original purpose was, and Diana travels to the temple in person to find the smoldering arrow stuck into the ground. If the the context behind this is people are, again are going to kind of this might just not be in the forefront of their mind. Diana has not seen her family for a century. She has not been able to return to to Themyscira. That's kind of the rule. So she has lived the last century alone. And now she finally gets a signal from her family, and the signal she gets is her mother warning her that something is coming. Yeah. That is so intensely cool and charged with an amazing follow-up to the first Wonder Woman movie. Uh, the idea of them connecting after 100 years on the grounds of her mother terrified saying – basically help yeah because well, i mean that is so if you told me that they had taken that out of the movie i, w I don't think i would have believed <laughs> you so now i'm so psyched that we yeah. get to see this and again another fantastic use of the aspect ratio to give the full shot from that arrow right up to the top of uh gal Gadot's head yeah it's it's gonna be so hard to get to the point where we're not talking about every single shot from this in the context of why why? Why was yes, this not? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I guess we should at some point be like, <laughs> we're just not going to do that. Like, we're going to, there's going to be a rule that we don't, that's just an implied why. I don't, why? Yeah. Why not? Why is this not there? Especially, like, I'm, I, I say as I'm like about to go off on a tangent about it, but like, <laughs> the, like, Wonder Woman was so huge. And like, people were all about Wonder Woman when this movie, like, this movie came out like a few months after Wonder Woman and the world was like, we want more Wonder Woman. And as several shots in this trailer will show you, they like took out the best Wonder Woman stuff from this and, and they took away her agency. They did all sorts of stuff that's like, what, what are you? I don't know. So, but what's cool about this shot that's not clear in this, but in, the, in an earlier teaser, you see her down in, in a, in inside of the temple with a torch. And that's where she sees the picture of Darkseid or Uxas. Yes. She, I get, yeah, that was what I was going to say. Not only signaled her of some understanding among the Themyscirans, you know, the Amazons of what this means. But it looks like it is physically directing her to the information that she needs, right? And and in the in the basement of the Temple of Athena or whatever, <laughs> down down below she goes. There there's murals that spell out like the entirety of the um, history lesson of of the, of the history lesson, and and Ares getting involved and fighting fighting Darkseid and all all sorts of awesome stuff that that we're gonna see. And get it, we get a little bit of that more later on the movie also, or in the, the teaser also. Yeah, the mosaic uh, artwork of of Uxus with the mother box is is pretty dope uh, and available now because it's been shared by Zack Snyder directly. So yeah, very neat to know that that's going to be part of how those those plot lines kind of fit together in the plot of the movie. And then, I mean, we finally get Jason Momoa downing that bottle, <laughs> yeah, striding out as the you know as the winds change and the seas are basically erupting. As the, I'll say, like, not yet crowned king of the seven seas is finally deciding to jump back in. You know, and I have to say, why wasn't this in the original movie? <laughs> I just don't know why, like, you don't think people would have wanted to see Jason Momoa taking his shirt off like this? And the, like, yeah, I mean, love Jason, just like, the artistry of the tattoos, you mean, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but like, I like the, this that would have been such i don't know there's just so many things where it's like people would have loved that like people would have gone crazy for that why was that not in the movie so that's my contribution to the, to that scene <laughs> once again like that square aspect ratio so cool for for that shot 
uh, for both of those shots, actually, you get the shot where it reminds me a lot of Clark washing up after the oil rig. And they had all the like really artsy shots of like the clothespins and the and the bucket oh, yeah. and stuff in Man of Steel. The it's the, how they've got like the off focus on the uh, on the the stuff blowing in the wind. Yeah, even that like even that implication of like the wind blowing towards the sea, both like plot wise and then um, hey, here's a big shout out to my high school English teachers. The pathetic fallacy that the weather <laughs> itself is calling Arthur into the water uh, yeah. is is pretty pretty dope. Yeah. Then we move from there to the, I guess, much seen at this point football game that would be the introduction to Vic Stone as he is the star athlete with his with his mother cheering from the stands, yeah. not his father, right? Uh, which is pr- pretty pretty in line with the the comic book origins of of the modern comics. And um, I guess while cool, this is certainly not the Ray Fisher stuff that people are like most desperate to see. But this will be very cool character work. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, and uh, Eli Snyder played. I think he played for UCLA, or he was like red shirt or something. He choreographed this, so it's cool to get that. Um, to always know when he's got stuff going on with that, it'll certainly be. I mean, in that 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 slow mo shot of him hurtling over the other player. I mean, it's it's going to be one of the cooler. Zach said that he he says like in the script it says Victor runs down the field and scores, and he's like, but I I shoot I shoot extra, so I don't know how much extra that means we've got. But I imagine that means he shot literally the him running down the whole field and scoring. So I don't know how much they cut, but I know that there'll certainly be some some cool footage in there. We've seen Superman in the black suit. Here we get him exiting the the Kryptonian right. ship uh, in a in a kind of an echo back to Man of Steel. Based on another storyboard Zach released, I believe this is also leading up to like a flight. Uh, I think Flight 2.0 is what they call it, where it's going to be the Justice League like reflection of the first flight scene in Men of Steel. Cool. From there, we have Diana being very nice to a little girl. Once again, I don't know why it's not, <laughs> nope. why, why this nope, was cut. Nope, nope. But no, it's just such a, it's, it's just so per like this is everything that people love about Gal Gadot's Wonder yep. Woman. First, with the little girl smiling at her is such a, a poignant, like inspirational, like that's the whole reason that she's sort of a big deal in culture right now. Yeah. Um, is captured in this moment. And, but then also just, like who doesn't love that that Godot smile? Yeah, and it would be if if Diana smiled and then the girl smiled, it would be like, mm-hmm. oh, gee, Willie, what a good hero moment. But the fact that the girl smiles and makes Diana smile is kind right. of echoing that you know she turned away from mankind, she didn't want to be the hero or be seen, and now it's like, well, she's being seen. Well, now that Superman's gone, you know somebody's got to be that beacon of hope. Yes. Oh, and then we get yeah the the. The flash, I think, visual effects reel that was leaked, that would yeah. have been the introduction of would have been the introduction of Barry Allen's power. Yeah, I guess him doing a, a classic move, which is from I think I'm more familiar with it originally in the it's been Wally comics and Barry Allen comics where he suddenly goes into uh, faster than thought because there is a car accident taking place. And they've used that as an opportunity to introduce Kiersey Clemens as Iris West. Mm-hmm. What I really like about this shot and the way it shows his powers, it, it reminds me a lot of like that shot in Forrest Gump, where it was kind of a necessity of like the the way they would they did the VFX on that, or like the in camera effects in in Forrest Gump. They're they're following him, and then he like turns a corner, and the camera pans, and in the moment that he's off screen, all of a sudden he's like way off down the road. Yeah, yeah. And it does that same thing here where like he breaks the window and then the camera turns to follow him, 
But when it catches him back in focus again, he's like way down, but everything else is still in slow motion. I don't know how much of this, I don't know how fully we're going to see this in, um, in the movie, but I really love that effect because we've, we've seen two different versions of Quicksilver in on the Marvel side. And so there's very much like, okay, so they're going to do the X-Men days of future past thing, or are they going to do the age of Ultron thing and go figure. I think this is a totally different way of realizing his powers. It's a really interesting mixture of slow-mo for the world and, and speed ramping for flash. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but you know, if we're talking about speed ramping and Zack Snyder, I think it's going to be pretty cool to see his powers. Um, also, his shoes came off. Yes, <laughs> there was actually there was a previs reel that got leaked that shows um, there's a shot of his feet as he like pivots to take off and his shoes just like disintegrate. So so we'll we'll see exactly what happens to them. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping this is an opportunity to spend more time seeing the world that as Barry sees it. So when Superman is shown to be, you know, anywhere near as fast, that makes yeah. it just a more meaningful moment. Yeah, exactly. Well, in, in the lead up to the, the theatrical release, he, they talked about how they shot some of these scenes and they got in like super high speed cameras. Mm-hmm. And so they're definitely playing with like a range of of motion in the way that they record him, both like him moving fast with slow frames and moving slow with with uh, a fast frame rate. And and I, I'm really excited to see it in, in larger contexts. Yeah, for, for to clarify, I'm not talking about uh, the Flash and Superman racing. <laughs> I don't have much to say about about Cyborg pounding away at the grave. I assume it's his grave because he has been yeah his grave or his mother's yeah or both maybe yeah. But I don't. Know, it's a, it's a great shot. I don't have anything else to say about it other than it's just it's a really cool visual. It's very haunting. I mean, he's almost like a skeleton. Like it's. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's cool. And then there's the shot of Batman that we've seen a million times. I think it's Fabian <laughs> Wagner's favorite shot on the gargoyle. I believe that gargoyle is actually Zach's gargoyle. That's one of the things that they reuse in different movies. It could be wrong. And then, yeah, then we have Lois. Thank, and wait, wait. Let me just hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, because I know that Lois opens the door to see Martha. But what door is she opening, Stephen? She's opening the door to the apartment that we love so very much. And we'll now return to. We should plug what episode number is that on BVS by the minute where we talk about that apartment for like. Oh, that's got to be uh, 25. Yeah. So we love that apartment. So we're excited to talk about it more. Uh, I think I think we're calling that Marthen, Marthen Manhunter. Oh, 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 oh. that made my skin crawl. <laughs> because. This is John Jones. Yeah. That's um, so as we know from um, released storyboards, I guess is how we know it specifically. Um, John Jones this, raised Superman pretending to be Martha Kent is what you're, <laughs> is what you're saying, right? I, I just realized that I'm going to have to explain this to people in real life now. <laughs> and, and I hate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so this scene, what we know from the storyboard is that Lois comes or Martha comes and visits Lois and then she leaves the apartment and then she turns into Martian Manhunter. And then she turns into General Swanwick and mm-hmm. walks away, um, which which raises all sorts of fascinating questions about what's going on in the in like Man of Steel and BVS. And it's, you know, a popular fan theory. And, and I don't I have no idea how much more he's even in this movie than than that, because um, Harry Lennox got called off entirely. So it, yeah. I guess it depends. So I don't know if it's set up. I have no idea. It's a, It's a mystery and it's 
fascinating and I'm excited to find out what how it all fits in. And like, you know, it's not like Martian Manhunter is going to join him in the third act or anything, maybe. Uh-huh. But um, Zach's got a reason for it and I want to know what that is. Also, again, to clarify, I'm not actually suggesting that Martian Manhunter raised was in a, a marriage with uh, Jonathan Kent. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you have something against that? No, hey, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm all for it. Hey, at this point, I my love for Jonathan Kent, you know, I would be, <laughs> I would fully endorse, I, I would ship this. <laughs> I'm not going to let you come up with some horrifying twisted label for it because that Martha oh, Manhunter man. is awful. Um. Yeah, I I don't even know if there is. Yeah, if you can think of a good ship for uh for Marsh for a Martian Manhunter and uh, Jonathan Kent. Nope. And <laughs> we go from okay. Here's we go from one that we go to one that I am massively excited to finally see, mainly because of how crudely it was pasted over in the theatrical cut. I think it is we're shown Aquaman's armor and trident and mm-hmm. Jason Momoa's feet. Yeah, and. What was shown in marketing was Arthur swimming up to a statue of King Atlan, like the ancient king of Atlantis, and in statue form wearing this armor with the trident and the crown. Then, obviously, he is wearing that armor and using that trident later on in the movie. So, how does that happen? We now see, I guess, water rushing, showing that he is... In a bubble with Mira, or or these are overlapping scenes or similar scenes in the same place with her. We don't know, well, but vocal, it is evident we know from we know vocal is there from um from some images of this in this vicinity. The simplest explanation is the statue has been broken, allowing the trident and armor to be now put on by Arthur. The reason why this matters for his character is because Zack Snyder was working with James Wan to to seed things for his solo film into this. So for people who don't know, this might be one of the biggest surprises is Willem Dafoe plays a version of Volko in this movie. And my understanding, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is that Arthur has a relationship with Volko in that he is – they have a scene – discussing the fact that Arthur is staying away from Atlantis. He's only coming to these ruins, which are not a part of the actual city. And Mira also arrives to discuss, you know, this is going to have to happen. At some point, you're going to need to take up your role, basically setting the stage for him to then take his arc through the rest of the movie. So that putting on the armor, taking the trident means something, where in the theatrical cut, He's just suddenly wearing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's something that he's he's intentionally resisting up to this point, and probably does reluctantly at this point because he knows that it it's a victory, like for Volko, that he's been yes. you know that he's been pushing back against his entire Volko has been grooming him to become this, and he's been saying I don't want any of this, but he has to embrace it because he's he's you know he's torn between like you know the land and the sea. That's a a, a concept that they play, especially in Aquaman, they play with that. And and here a little bit of the sea wins over maybe for the first time and um and so it's really yeah, cool. yeah. in addition to that you've there's there's a mo- there's a we've seen some some photographs around this scene that look like I mean there was so much more Atlantis stuff and it looked like it's like something out of Lord of the Rings like it's this scene is going to be really really fascinating to me like there's way more in here that was that was cut out that um that looked really really kind of epic and kind of metal and and on top of that i think i alluded to this at the top 
um, in the theatrical cut, they just pasted a dead Atlantean soldier oh, yeah. in uh, the short range of the shot, um, just obscuring the statue of Atlan that 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 would have been there. Um, yeah. And then on the poster, uh, <laughs> the one of the theatrical posters for the movie, there is just the hairline and smock of Willem Dafoe's character who has been pasted over by other characters. Which is maybe my favorite detail in movie poster <laughs> marketing of all time that maybe they had to get him in there or didn't oh. obscure him completely. I love it. Look for it on Twitter. I will absolutely be tweeting it. It'll be interesting now because this was going to set the stage for the Aquaman solo movie. Yeah. Now it will be backfilling in a little bit and I guess in a weird way potentially showing what was changed in Aquaman to compensate for this. Yeah, possibly. All conjecture until we actually get to see what could be multiple scenes that are different between Arthur and Mera and Arthur and Volko. As we see in the – I think we see a little bit later. I believe that's the armor Atlan is wearing in the history lesson, Poss- I, th- I, th- I think still, or, or at least similar to what Atlan would have worn. I'm assuming Atlan didn't just wear one suit of armor in his life, so <clears throat> right. <laughs> uh, I'll allow them to clarify that. But yeah, then after that, we do see Desaad. And this is really fascinating to me because I don't know – this is either – Desaad on Apocalypse or Desaad on Earth in the in nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. And I'm not sure which one it is, and I'm not sure which one, one I'd prefer. Because if he's on Earth in like the nightmare, based on like Justice League war or like, you know, whatever kind of interpretation you want to go with, like he could be like torturing Nightmare Superman here, right? Or he could like there's some there's some different context or, or like maybe they captured maybe maybe in this version of the nightmare they captured batman instead of um instead of killing him and he's interrogating him or you know i don't know what's going on but if it's the nightmare that opens up some fascinating possibilities for what's going on here yeah and, also and this, yeah. that's the theatrical oh. steppenwolf's face <laughs> yeah and I, I just love this design look at those like runes on his um like the the pattern his on robes. his yeah, yeah on his robes I don't know what it, and it, you know, it said like the, on Superman's outfit, it has, um, like the Campbellian monomyth text all like inscribed in like Kryptonian font or something. You know, he could have like, it's not the anti-life equation probably because, but you know, something of significance. Dishon is just a super fan. He just gets that on all of his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Supreme version. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if you thought Desaad arriving was a spoiler, I guess Zack Snyder is just interested in communicating to people how much of his original story was different because the next thing we see is the death of Silas Stone. Yeah. Well, we don't see the the actual shot of his death happens a little bit later, but it, this is clearly – Oh, um, yeah. Well, sorry. I'm combining. This is the cyborg uh, lurching. Yeah. The way he's lurching is so – mechanical and and like tragic that it's like the it's machine more horror uh body horror which yeah. i know Zack snyder kind of alluded to about was going to be part of the story for cyborg exactly but the juxtaposition with like that lurching mechanic it reminds me of like the the movement of the t1 or the the a t800 the t800 and and term and the end of the first terminator movie and like that almost stop motion look yeah. But then juxtaposed with that like giant tear coming off the what is left of his human body Oof, is yeah. haunting. Yeah. We should follow up on that cyborg section by saying it would appear from this that one of the main differences from the theatrical cut to Zack Snyder's is 
Silas Stone's death is a part of Victor's arc. He, like Cyborg is supposed to be the heart of the movie. The cra- is the crazy thing. And so like, as far as I've been able to piece together kind of how his arc works, he's got the closest thing to like a fully fleshed out character arc in the, in the whole thing. Like down to the point where like, he's the only one who can stop the unity. So if there is like a singular hero that the whole story kind of wraps around, like Superman's important, but it's like Cyborg's story, even more so than like, and he's got more in more backstory than like Flash or Aquaman as far as the new characters go. Yeah, it's literally made out of the MacGuffin. Exactly. And so when you, and he looks like the parademons and he looks like Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. like his body, and he's fighting with his identity and there's so much there. And so it's insane then when you, when you realize, like if you look at the theatrical cut and you realize it's like taking the hot dog out of a bun and then like replacing it with, I don't know, just like more ketchup. And you're like, oh, here, it's the same thing. And you're like, but there, no, what was in that before? Yeah. Like there was something in that that was that was like meant to go inside that bun. And I think that the people looking at this scene very closely, uh, Steppenwolf is behind Cyborg when he's screaming and it, and it looks to, that Silas is trying to destroy the box, uh, the same yeah. box that he presumably used to save his son, quote unquote save. Right. Sadly, um, the box is impenetrable. Uh, it is impervious to what is happening. And as a result, Silas dies. There's a, there seems to be a visual parallel to Jonathan Kent and the, and the and tornado. The tornado. Yeah. Um, and the second is what I, I think everyone can agree is a clear Watchmen homage. The blue. And with him disintegrating like um, like yeah. Dr. Manhattan. I think in the middle of that, there's there was a staccato of um of Superman floating over the city also. Yeah, and Lois seeing him, right? Yeah, exactly. And I don't or or what we think. And I don't know that there's much to say about that other than just like that there's such an eerie vibe to that. Um, oh yeah, felt it's it felt very alien. It's like almost like like something from like what Brightburn did. It's 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 he's no longer behaving like a human. Um, like cause normally he's got these human characteristics, but here he's like he's rigid and he's floating and he's up in a place that he wouldn't necessarily be if he was like he's just not behaving in the way yeah. that you would expect someone who like grew up on Earth to behave. It's very alien to him. <laughs> turns out, turns out Superman way more unsettling when he isn't flying with his arms out. He's just moving himself through space which sounds which looks as disconcerting as it sounds we get hippolyta arriving and seeing the arrival of stephen wolf in more ways than one this is our best look yet at the original design for stephen wolf at least in armor yeah i'm i'm very curious here because if you look closely you can see that his face like the armor is very um I don't know if it's techno organic or if it or what exactly is going on, but there's lots Gross. of motion going on. Yeah, and there's spikes mm-hmm. like coming out of it. I think this is going to be a very intricate CGI, and there's going to be a lot of like little motion and stuff going on. But uh, it's also a little bit unfinished. You can see some of the spikes just like clip through <laughs> the uh, like the shoulders. <laughs> no, that's magic. That's uh, he's a new god. But you can see his face is like partially exposed. So I kind of wonder if like for a dialogue or something if it like peels back like a venom <laughs> thing like a spiky venom <laughs> and uh, and underneath he's the theatrical steppenwolf god <laughs> well that would be hilarious but um i think he's a little bit bigger also he, he seems to be a little bit taller i think there's a couple interesting things one is is he's just he's terrifying i think this look yeah. is 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 very very menacing the other is is whenever Zack Snyder talks about him, he talks about how he doesn't care. And like those are the words he says. Steppenwolf doesn't care. 
Yeah. Um, he, he's like DGAF. And it's because he's Snyder said he's not a humanoid, but I think that I don't like what qualifies you as humanoid. Isn't that just like if you're bipedal and to him, like killing humans is like like stepping on bugs or whatever. He's like, he, there's no like remorse or there's yeah. nothing in his brain that's like, this is an evil thing to do. And I think that's really interesting for him to focus so much on that because I know you don't want to talk about it. One of the things that I feel like they tried to do with the, the theatrical Steppenwolf was give him more personality. Like they felt like they needed to make him more like empathetic or something. And it definitely didn't work. And But it, it also made him like less scary in the process. And so my assumption is what Snyder is doing with this Steppenwolf is he was always he decided from the get go, look, this is not going to be Zod. This is not going to be the, the Zod or the Lex Luthor of this movie. This guy is just a force of destruction. People aren't going to be interested in him because of his backstory. And they're not going to be interested in him because of his character motivations. They're going to be interested in him because he's a badass and he, he just care. kills indiscriminately. And there's a coldness to that that is inherently terrifying also. I'm very convinced that like what is going to make us interested in Steppenwolf is not going to be any sort of like connecting with the character so much as just like whoa this guy doesn't care like he is terrifying he is brutal and you don't want to be in his way there's this fascinating shot here of um of flash and if you watch it like in slow motion you see that it's the scientists from star labs and you see all these flashes of light and like silhouettes of flash yes after image yeah yeah it looks like a quantum physics phenomenon is is taking place yeah which it is i mean i guess but we get back to the the last bits here are are very flash centric we do get the punctuating shot of the just as you make out black suit superman diving to punch uh steppenwolf it like snaps to black like as soon as the image resolves which is great People have pointed out that that looks it does like it creates like a yin yang sort of shape, which I I don't doubt. It's it I can kind of take that or leave it. Okay, I I guess it makes sense in in some ways because it's a hero and a villain. The thing in this last one that I, that really jumped out to me was finally piecing together the Flash sees an explosion mm-hmm. of blue energy, and in the original trailers, this explosion of blue energy was visible. In the like Russian or you know um, Chernobyl esque abandoned city, and what happens here is like the most intriguing shot of this trailer for me as a Flash fan because he witnesses the explosion and then seems to be witnessing it tearing past him, mm-hmm. and then very quickly the world beyond the explosion goes from looking like regular background sky to something completely different. Later on in the, I'll, we can we can just talk about this right now because later on I think all you see of the flash is him just running like it's it's not um, it's in this same visual style. Yeah, well, and as his feet hit the ground, the ground like materializes beneath him. Yes, so this is what a lot of people are assuming is Snyder's vision of the Speed Force or yeah. the way that the Flash uses the Speed Force to kind of traverse time in the shot where he's witnessing the explosion if you look you see that kind of blue mist around his motions yes and that's you see that same thing when he goes to break through the glass so yeah so whatever he so he's witness so we're we're witnessing this in his impression time. of time yeah and considering like the yellow lightning and stuff around i think 
I think, yeah, probably this is inside the Speed Force. Yeah, and I, and I even in this trailer, you can see that a, a car accident triggered him into, I think, in the visual effects, which show a bit more than what's in this trailer. He seems to be fascinated by what's happening as much as anyone, like pushing his yeah. way through the window. Um, and if we understand that to be a look at the – for the audience, a chance to see him discovering how he suddenly operates at a higher speed. Now seeing this shot of what looks like a catastrophic explosion happening and then time all of a sudden stopping again and him looking kind of shocked at what is transpiring, a totally believable to me as Snyder's way of envisioning Barry Allen like kind of unlocking his agency over time through mm -hmm. the Speed Force, which is like equal parts known and unknown to him. And this would make sense for him to be discovering it because this would be part of his mission. And we know that he needs to take at least some steps on the path to going back in time to warn Batman. So right. I don't know how much this movie will get into, but I think that it's no coincidence that that shot gives the impression of him pushing uh, against a force where uh, him in the previous one seems to be pretty effortless. Well, this next shot I know is going to be yes. like, I mean, you're going to talk about this one. So I, I'm going to just preface it up front that this is a reveal that we did not know. We did not know this part about the movie. And when the literally the first time I saw this trailer and I saw this shot come up, it sets it up. And we know, oh, this is the scene with um, with Clark and Lois on the farm. They cut this from the theatrical or they drastically changed it in a bad way. And so I thought we were just going to see something from that. And then what happened next my first thought was, oh, Dice is going to love this. <laughs> Clark embracing both uh, the love of his life, Lois, and the Martian Manhunter <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the form of his mother, Martha Kent. <laughs> um, yes, both ladies back with Clark. Yeah. So yeah, 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 the yeah. Kent farm, You're, you're yeah. going to need to keep on clarifying this. This is not this, this is part not of Martian <laughs> We, I mean, we don't know. Maybe, Every maybe time you she, say that, I'm going to yeah. say Martha and Manhunter just to Ugh. just to get back at you. The real crazy reveal is in the post credit scene when Feora comes back and is like, I killed his mother. Yeah. <laughs> it was perhaps, for me, the most egregious removal from the theatrical cut of the movie because it was so breathtaking. Clark out in the corn. I mean, I don't take offense at corn being CGI. You do things like that in movies. You have to. But, like, do a good job. <laughs> We go from that to King Atlan pulling off a wicked trident slam. Yeah, I mean, that's just a sample of um, some of the insanity that got cut. I mean, in addition to that, we're going to have Ares fighting Darkseid. We're going to have... Artemis. Um, yeah, Artemis. There's a whole... They shot a whole um, section of, like, the new gods... Or not the new gods, of the Olympian gods, or the, the Greek mm. gods, like, arriving at the battle and turning the tide... I mean, there's so much, it's so much longer than what they shot in the, um, or than what they included in the theatrical cut. And so knowing that, like, in addition to that, like, Atlan is kind of getting to flex with the, and once again, it's, it, that this is like more set up for Aquaman even, right? Cause that, that, that trident is the trident. Yeah. Um, so this is all, all awesome stuff. Is this when we get, we're now in like the final hallelujah, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about the song yet. Oh, we'll get um, there. Yeah. Yeah, so we get to this shot of the the league lining up is what I've got next here, and perhaps the as cool as the shot is of seeing them all together, it is so much more poetic for me that going by the background and the ship, the flying fox pulling up, they are heading home. 
Yeah. Like they, uh, they have completed the mission and they are now leaving, uh, victorious. Yeah. Superman's wearing the black suit still. We already knew that, but it's just a, a, a big change. And we also saw in one of the early trailers, there was like all the headshots with like the gold bronzy kind of background going on. So I imagine that's from, from this moment right. also. And that's, that's it. We just get the logo and the, the hashtag and then we get this little bit of dialogue. Yep. Not all of us, not us united. Which is just, it's so great to see new Batfleck dialogue that is like, I didn't realize how much I missed that. It's, it's, it's cool. This, the scene is spliced between the hangar and the Batcave. So this is not, this is like a hybrid that's made to look like it's a single shot. This line is interesting because it was really a rallying call for like the Snyder Cut movement and Snyder included it on the back of a, of a hoodie. The even more interesting when you know that like he chose that line of dialogue for this trailer like two and a half years ago when he cut it originally (laughs) and then he carried that all the way. And then that became a line that the movement started using. And then the move, the movie gets greenlit and he gets funding to make it. And he releases this trailer, meaning something entirely different. Like, you know, just like, like we've praised so many times in, um, with like what he did in Batman v Superman, how we're like, now this, this didn't mean this when he did it, but it means more now. Both that line of dialogue meaning more than when he originally put it in the trailer, but also I know we were going to talk about, we didn't talk about the song yet. And when I first learned that he was going to use Hallelujah, I wasn't sure exactly how, I was like, oh, it's clearly going to shift into some sort of like junkie XL something, or it's going to be a cover that's like, how can you set a whole trailer to that? And then he, then he did it. <laughs> and I personally think this is like the closest we've seen to him, like replicating what he did in the Watchmen opening sequence, like this whole trailer hmm. when it comes to like his directing and use of music. But looking at the song, it's so much, it's everyone kind of, or I don't want to say everyone, but it's, it's commonly used as like a, like a love song or a, or, or a romantic song or whatever. But as everyone knows, Snyder has already used that song. He's famous for using it in Watchmen. Where if you listen to the commentary, you know that he's using it because he recognizes that it has a sense of irony there. And he knows that it's that it's not explicitly about, about that love, but it's about um, just this kind of idea that like. God Hallelujah. bless this guy being able to perform sexually. <laughs> like you're supposed to be watching it like smirking, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's more that, the intention. He says there's an irony to it, which is funny because everyone makes fun of it. And it's like, no, no. He's laughing with you. I don't know why you think you're laughing at him for using it. But it's also um, it's also a song that Zach said is really important to his family. And at the time that this trailer was originally cut would have been shortly after the loss of um, of his daughter. So it, so it was a very, very personal trailer for him, personal song choice that at the time was just kind of representative of a lot of different things that were going on. However, now coming out in 2020... It carries all of that meaning forward, but also you add to it the context of like, like the 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 narrator or the singer talks about trying to to make a song to to please somebody, and um, but they don't really care for music. And there's so many different, and I don't want to go by it like verse by verse or, or or pull out every single like if you go like go to like lyric genius and and look up the song, and it's it's crazy how many things like line up with what Snyder experienced with his sort of having to struggle with this this creation of the of this movie and make it happen and and sort of the whole idea that leonard cohen said about it is that to him the 
glorious and the broken hallelujahs have the same value. Like the word hallelujah is is the same. You sing it at a funeral, you sing it at a wedding, and it has equal value. The word hallelujah has equal value in in all contexts. And I just think that's such a perfect it would have been great in in 2017, but it's even better in in 2020 to to kind of have that on this on this movie. And it's even crazier because like Cohen took forever to to write the song and like couldn't get it published and it only became famous because of other people singing it and the song itself is very much his like sort of struggle to kind of grapple with the sort of act of creation yeah there there's so many different layers going on about like what it means personally to to Zach so this is it's a very the whole the whole thing artistically speaking is is a very it's a it's a really cool trailer it's got a lot of cool comic book characters in it and a lot of really pretty visuals but also it's like artistically personal to to Snyder and that's always been what's been what's most interesting about watching his stuff to me is that it comes from such a specific point of view and so it's rare that especially like for a movie trailer to be so like this is his DNA that we are are viewing here so ends the first trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League, we presume, is the title. A ton of new footage. I think this works as a showpiece of just how complete storylines uh, people have to look forward to that they haven't seen before. Yeah. Well, and visually, it's just so the, – the whole palette is different. The the aspect ratio yeah. changes the framing of, of everything. I mean, literally – when people talk about a Zack Snyder movie, like that is a phrase that you will you will use. It is a Zack Snyder movie, and that's and that's what this is. You look at it, and the music, the 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 speed ramp being the um the the color, the the lighting, like everything. It you you know from looking at it that it's a Zack Snyder movie, and um and that's what people say when they about the theatrical cut. It's just, that was just lacking. If we didn't mention it, the post-title line from The Flash and Batman is the only dialogue spoken. You don't need words. Yeah, so I guess we will be on, on standby for, for any major updates about uh, Justice League coming to HBO Max or new footage or details, etc. Um, yeah, exactly. This isn't exactly going to be weekly. When there's stuff to talk about, we'll be talking about it. When there's stuff to talk about it for more than like three or four minutes – yeah, because the, the just the way that Zack Snyder is doing it, I imagine a trickle of information. But then we were, we had much more to say about this trailer than we would have about you know a couple seconds of Diana looking at a wall or Darkseid standing on a battlefield. Exactly. I mean, I could have I could have turned that into an hour. Probably. I don't doubt that. <laughs> I don't doubt that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So yeah, stay subscribed. I mean, you find us on iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere you find your podcasts. And but you know, don't don't refresh it every day. We'll we'll hit you up every every once in a while when if something happens, keep an eye on your feed. But um, until the movie hits, we'll be uh, we'll be periodic. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter at JLByTheMinute. We'll definitely be posting there when we have a new episode come out. And as we mentioned before, BVS by the minute. On Twitter and iTunes and everywhere else. Until next time. We Yeah, we typically say until the next minute, but in this case, it's until the next... We may not do another episode until there's another teaser unless, you know, unless Snyder drops, like, an image of Martian Manhunter making out with Thomas Wayne or something. I don't know. Um... <laughs>